Mark chapter number 16. You've been blessed already tonight, so just say amen. Amen. Um, do you know why you were blessed tonight already? Because somebody took this book and told you something you needed to know. And that's why you're here tonight, is because of this book. And we're blessed people. God goes beyond what we could ever imagine. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And he proves it over and over again, doesn't he? He certainly does. That picture that you saw up there a few moments ago of me, uh, I was much older then <laughs> than, I, than I am now. And, uh, of course, uh, those of you that were here when I was here, um, you know that to be true. So, anyhow, but I, it's an honor for me to be back here. It's a true joy for me to see individuals that... Uh, uh, that I had the opportunity to be your pastor. That's a, that's a real joy. And uh, some, I, I have to say, I, I recognize your face. I don't remember your name. Please forgive me for that, if you would. Uh, or uh, pray for me as far as my memory is concerned. One verse we're going to look at this evening and go from there. In Mark chapter number 16, a verse that uh, uh, I'm sure all of you are familiar with. Verse number 15 says this, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye into all the world and broadcast the gospel to every creature. Go ye. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you've done already in this service tonight. Lord, thank you for the choir and the song the power of one. Oh, God, we praise you for that. And, Lord, for these young ladies, uh, Lord, for their testimonies, for their uh, involvement in spreading the gospel, uh, Lord, for the singing, the voices that they've yielded to you for your praise. And, Father, we just praise you for uh, the, the songs that uh, Brother Davies have led tonight. Lord, we just praise you for that. And we pray now that as we turn our eyes towards you, turn our eyes uh, towards your word, uh, Lord, certainly not upon me, but upon you and your word, may we hear with our hearts uh, that which you have for us. May we be obedient to you. May we yield ourselves to you. May we put away pride. May we put away selfishness. Uh, may we put away arrogance and just concentrate on you and honoring and pleasing you. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. A missions conference. I love missions conferences myself. Uh, I just think they're, they're, they're just a great time. They give us a, a focus where we need to be focusing upon. And uh, usually when we think of missions, we think of the Great Commission, and that's not a, a, a wrong way to look at it. But we need to understand that missions did not begin with the Great Commission. Missions began with one person, and one person only. And missions, we can say, began with God. 
That's who it began with, in the person of God. You see, it first beat in the heart of God before He ever breathed uh, life into mankind. Before He ever breathed life into His church, it was in the heart of God Almighty Himself. You see, our God is a missions-minded God. He really is. He's, he's missions-minded. Uh, if, if it were not, or if God were not missions-minded, then uh, there would be no such thing as a Christian mission. We wouldn't have the Great Commission if God didn't give it to us. Uh, the gospel that He has given us uh, is really a, a missions message. We're to go into all the world, the Bible says, and preach the gospel to every creature. We're to go into all the world and preach what God preaches, and that is missions. You see, if, it could, uh, if the gospel could not save every sinner, there would be no reason to take it to every nation. But the gospel can save every sinner. Uh, the, the, the Great Commission is a missions mandate. Uh, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command that too many times we'll just think, well, it's not that important. It is important. In fact, it's so important. If you're saved today, it is so important. That's why you are on your way to heaven. That's why your soul is saved. Because somebody took that message seriously. And to propagate, to promote, to broadcast, to preach, to teach the gospel. Whether it was in a class, whether it was behind a pulpit, whether it was one-on-one at your kitchen table, whether it was perhaps over the telephone, somebody told you about the gospel. Somebody took the mandate of the Great Commission seriously. You see, a strong mission program rest on, on three foundations that I want to give you uh, this evening. Uh, you see, the Great Commission identifies the local church as the very center for world evangelism. You here at Fellowship Baptist Church are very, very important. You are a local church, and the local church is the center. This is the center as far as your world is concerned, for world missions to get the Word of God out. God uses the local church. But there are three foundations that I want to spend our time on this evening. And uh, the first one, uh, we have a compassionate God. We do. We have a compassionate God. Uh, The Bible, we we know what the Bible... How many know John 3.16? Okay, say that with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, perhaps, I don't know, but perhaps everybody in here quoted that verse. Perhaps everybody in here knows that verse. If not, I would venture to say that most do. But You know, God gives us, He is a compassionate God, He gives us a description of His love. Uh, First of all, I think we can see that it is an extravagant love. The Bible, you know, here, here, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave, we just quoted that. 
You know, he could have said, God loved the world and uh, the rest. But he didn't say God loved the world and gave himself for it and sent his only begotten son. God, did, He didn't say that. He said God so loved the world. That one little word, so, two letters, means all the difference in the world. It, it, it is a word of intensity. It is a word that simply means God so greatly loved the world. That's, that's basically what he said. You know, God never does anything halfway. It's either all or none with God. And he so loved the world. Ladies, if you have a husband or, or had a husband or, or, or whatever, and your husband says, honey, I love you. Boy, that means, that's something special, isn't it? It really is. Uh, I, I remember before Ann and I got married that I told her that I loved her. And I meant it. I really did. But you know, I saw her light up when I, and I still, I, today, even to this day, we've been married 55 years, okay? And uh, I can look at her and I can say, honey, I love you. And she knows I mean it. Or I can say, honey, I love you so much. Is there a difference? Is it a, why? Because I love her so much. Well, God so loved the world. God loves you so much. It's extravagant, see? It's, it's a love that is uh, infinite. It is a love that is everlasting. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 3. The Bible says this, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. It is an infinite love. It is so infinite that it is everlasting. It is a love so incomprehensible that it passes knowledge. We, we can't fully comprehend the love that God has for you and me. We, we just can't. I'd like to, but we can't. Ephesians 3 and verse 19 says, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. It passes beyond our knowledge. Now, I, I realize there's some individual here. You are very, very intelligent. But you don't know the love of God like God loves you. Now, there's some of you here that think you're very, very intelligent. <laughs> and you don't know the love of God like God loves you, the way God loves you. I mean, it is so incomprehensible that it passes knowledge. It is so indiscriminate. God's love is so indiscriminate that it would be given to the least worthy sinner. I mean, it doesn't matter who. God loves you. It doesn't matter what. God loves. I mean, it does not matter. Listen to me. I mean, the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, you probably know this, but God commendeth his love toward us. God demonstrated his love towards us. God showed, God proved his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I realize we as human beings, we categorize sin, don't we? We, we do. And, and by the way, we do a pretty good job. But that's not the way God looks at it. We categorize this sin is worse than this sin, and this sin is worse than this sin. And by the way, my sin's not as bad as those sins. Isn't that the way we always look at it? It is. It really is. But listen, 
While we were yet sinners, and God doesn't describe the sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't matter how rotten you are or were, nor does it matter how good you think you are, Christ died for you. Christ died for sin. Folks, that's missions. That's the message that we have to get out. See, God's love is extravagant. God's love is exhaustive. He said, for God so loved the world. You know, the Bible says in the book of 2 Peter that God is not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want anybody to die and go to hell. Okay? Now, don't you buy, don't, don't, don't buy into this idea. Well, you know, uh, um, we don't need to tell anybody because God already knows who's going to be saved. Don't you think that's a conflict in the Word of God? When He tells us to go? And then some yay who comes along says you don't have to go. You see, the fact of the matter is, God is not willing that any should perish. Therefore, we should be willing to tell anyone and everyone if we're going to be obedient to God. Uh, Paul told uh, Timothy there in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that he would, uh, talking about God, uh, would have all men to be saved. That is God's will. My friend, listen. Uh, those of us that are here tonight, if there's anyone here that's not saved, I want to tell you exactly what God wants for you tonight. He wants you to be saved. That's what He wants for you. If you're not saved, you say, well, I don't understand it all. Okay, you can understand this. This is what God wants for you. God wants you to be saved. He is not willing for you to perish. He is not willing for you to die and go to hell. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know if we're going to have another opportunity tomorrow. We don't know if we're going to have another opportunity 10 minutes from now. By the way, I'm not going to be done in 10 minutes. But the fact of the matter is, (laughs) we don't know if the heart's still going to be beating in 10 minutes. That's why it's imperative that we be saved because that's what God wants. That's what pleases God. His love is extravagant. It's exhaustive. With the world, it is expressive. For God so loved the world that He gave. And we we saw that there in in, uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. We see the demonstration of God's love as well. He gave. He demonstrated that. You know, again, I'll use use my my wife and I as an an example. She, anyhow, uh, before when, again, Uh, Before we were married, I told her that I loved her, and I did. I really did. But you know, when I gave her something, that really meant a difference to her. She knew I meant business, okay? I knew I meant business when I bought it. But when I gave it to her, she knew I meant business. It was more than just words. It was more than just words. It was expressive. It was a genuine expression, the best expression that I knew to do in order to convince her that I meant business. You see, God himself promised a Savior to deal with the problem of sin. He promised that. In, uh, in, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, God is speaking to Satan. This, this first promise he gives to Satan uh, the, the serpent. He says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. I will. That's what that promise is based upon. And this promise was repeated 
It was amplified throughout the entire Old Testament, and it rested upon the unconditional, sovereign, I will of God. The, the young ladies that were up here tonight, they said, if he says it, that's enough. That settles it. He said, I will. That's enough. That he settled it. And by the way, he did, didn't he? It's, it's done. He, he fulfilled that promise in providing a Savior to deal with the problem of sin. All of the acts of the Old Testament uh, were performed in, in the fulfillment of this promise that God had in mind for mankind, for you and me, for you and I today. He provided a Savior to deal with the problem of sin. He promised him, and he provided him. So we, 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 can, we, we, we can rest upon God's Word. You know, when the plan of God was complete, God sent forth His Son to be mankind's Redeemer. When everything was the way God wanted it to be, it was time. In Galatians 4, it says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. When it was the right time, the right time God sent forth His Son for the specific purpose to redeem mankind. You see, according to the eternal purpose of God, Christ died for our sins, He was buried, and He rose again the third day, according to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Folks, that's the message of the gospel. That is the message of the gospel. That's, that's what missions is all about. And a strong missions program rests on a compassionate God. And, and, and the everlasting praises of God, salvation offered on the sole condition of the faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross at Calvary. That's what, that, that's what the condition is. It's the, it's, when, when Christ uh, died on the cross, was, was it finished? Is that, is that all that needed to be done? He said it was finished. Was it finished? What you teaching these people, folk? <laughs> Jesus said it was finished. What was finished? He shed his blood. He paid the price for the penalty of sin. Did he not? Salvation was finished. Jesus wasn't. He had one more thing he wanted to do. And that's to get up out of that grave. See? And through his resurrection, we are justified. The work was done. It was finished. And that's what our salvation is based upon. We have a compassionate God. He knew exactly what to do. He knew exactly when it needed to be done. And that's the foundation, or one of the foundations, of missions. But not only do we have a compassionate God, we have a compelling message. We do. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to the book of Romans. 
the book of Romans chapter number 1. The book of Romans chapter number 1. And I want you to notice in verse number 14. Here's what Paul is saying here. Paul is writing this. He said, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Paul here describes or declares that he is indebted to God to give the world the gospel of Jesus Christ Having heard himself the greatest message in the world, he was compelled because of what he heard, because what had affected his life, he was compelled to share it with whoever he came across. I mean, that motivated him. What motivates you to tell people about Jesus Christ? Is it, is it your fear that the preacher is going to get after you if you don't? <laughs> I mean, really, what is it that motivates you? I mean, he was compelled because that man was saved. Now, he had a unique testimony. I don't have the testimony that he had as far as getting saved, but I got my own testimony. And God saved me and God saved you, if you're saved, my friend, just the way he saved Paul. It might not have been as dramatic, but it was just as powerful. His grace is sufficient. There's no question about that. And because Paul understood what took place in his life, when Paul understood how he got saved, what it is that Jesus Christ did for him, how can I be quiet, he said. How can I not tell other people about it? You see, so great was this sense of obligation that Paul wrote down in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 16, Yea, woe is me, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Woe is unto me. Man, I'm in trouble if I don't preach the gospel. I'm ashamed if I don't preach the gospel. I'm disobedient if I don't preach the gospel. Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. That was, that was his uh, uh, opinion. That was his state of mind. You see, it is a distinct message. Do you realize that every... Every major religion relies upon performance for salvation. Every major religion relies upon performance. The, the, the Hindus, they preach a four path, four paths to salvation. You've got to be on each one of those paths. Buddhism leads its followers down an, uh, an eightfold path of salvation. They, they have more to do. Um. The salvation that's offered by Islam rests upon five pillars. And you've got to perform on those five pillars. Catholicism, salvation is gained through fulfilling five sacraments. You've got to be baptized or you're not saved. You've got to take communion or you're not saved. You've got to be confirmed or you're not saved. And you've got two, there's two other things. And if you don't do all five, you're not saved. You're certainly not saved. But you see, the gospel doesn't center on performance. The gospel centers on a person. That's who the gospel centers on for salvation. 
Jesus said this, I am the way. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am the only way. Peter declared in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 12, he said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name uh, under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Nobody else. My friend, listen to me. You're not going to get to heaven. You're not going to be saved apart from Jesus Christ. You're, you're not going to be good enough. You're not going to reach it. You're not going to be worthy. You say, well, I can try. You go ahead and try. But you'll go to hell trying without Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. But, but we need to understand what Jesus... Listen, if you could do it yourself... Now, I'm serious here. If there were enough things that you could do that would warrant heaven, we'd all be trying, wouldn't we? And there's some here tonight, perhaps, that you're trying. If we could say, well, I haven't done these bad things, and that's good enough to get me into heaven, that's good enough to get me saved, we, we'd all be really looking at those two, wouldn't we? If you could do it yourself, and I mean this, if you could pay the price, if you could do enough good works, if you could live right, if you could do whatever, and you could get to heaven that way, then tell me, why did Jesus die on the cross? Tell, tell me. Now, if you know, I, I, believe me, I, I've talked to people, and I've asked them, if, hey, if you die today, do you know you go to heaven? And they'd say, yeah. I said, how do you know? And I've had people say, well, I've been good. Maybe they have. Well, you know, I've, I've been in church for a long time. That's wonderful. But what's that have to do with being saved? You see, the fact, the reason Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross is because we can't do it ourselves. We just cannot do it. It is a distinct message. No question about that. Paul said in Acts chapter 13 and verse number 38, he said, Through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. You see, the gospel finds its source, its content, and its meaning in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, apart from him, there's no salvation. Other, other messages tell men what they must do to be saved. The gospel tells men what has been done to be saved. See? And uh, we, by the way, I'll get to this a little bit later, but how many, honestly now, how many have already, before you even came here tonight, you knew everything that I basically said up to this point in the message. You, you knew that. Now, hey, listen, don't, don't be ashamed. Of course you did. Of course you knew that. I preached it when I was here. He preaches it, and he is here. It's the same message. It doesn't change. See, it's the same one. Based upon that, not one person who knew that when they walked in those doors in the back, do, not one person has any excuse not to go out and tell somebody. You know enough to tell somebody. It's not a matter, well, I, 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 don't, I, don't, know, I don't know as much as the preacher. I, don't, I, don't, uh, I, I, can't, I can't say it the way he says it. 
listen, you've got the Great Commission. You tell people the gospel. You know what the gospel is, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. You knew that before you came in here. Paul was compelled. Are you compelled? I hope that you're compelled, say he. It's not only a distinct message, it's a dynamic message. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, Paul said this again, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You see, my friend, the gospel is a particular message. There's, there's many messages in the Bible, but only one of those messages, uh, only one of those messages qualifies as the gospel. There's only one gospel. Now, there, there, there are a lot of others who claim that this is a gospel. Paul said, no, 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 that, that's another gospel. We, we need the gospel is what we need. And the facts of the gospel, as we mentioned, are very clear. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again on the third day, having completed by himself all that was necessary to redeem mankind. My friend, if you really understand that and believe that, you have all you need to carry out the Great Commission. You have all you need to be involved personally in missions. Is, is the gospel. That's a powerful, powerful message. And gospel, my friend, is the one, pa- one message that uh, has the power to save a man from the penalty of his sins. And what's the penalty of his sins? Hell. And the gospel is the only message, the only message that will save somebody from the penalty of their sin. It's not the church. It's not baptism. It's the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. See, but you realize that the gospel has limitations? It has limitations. The gospel cannot save until it has first been believed. And the gospel cannot be believed until it is first heard. And the gospel cannot be heard until it is first preached. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that one of the greatest promises in the Bible? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Where are you on that? You personally, individually. Doesn't matter about the one sitting beside you, in front of you, behind you. Where are you on that? Have you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved? Have you believed in the one that you heard 
Because somebody preached to you that was sent so you could hear. That's the way you got saved. That's the way others are going to get saved. You don't have to be uh, an evangelist. Oh, we, we need to do the work of evangelists. But we're not, you know, you don't have to travel around the country preaching the gospel. You don't have to, you know, what, whatever. Just give out the gospel. You see, a strong missions program rests upon a compassionate God. It rests upon a compelling message. And also it rests upon a commissioned people. Mark sixteen fifteen. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every member involved. Missions, my friend, is imperative. Jesus said, go. Didn't he? He didn't say, oh, please go. Would you go? Well, please, would you go for me? Oh, come on. Would you? No. He said, go. Go. When you're home, youngin', mom says, go wash your hands for supper. Now, you might have bucked that once or twice, but you didn't buck it for long. If mama meant business, go wash your hands. Right? You knew who she was talking to. Well, she'd say that to me. She said to my brother, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Go. You know what that means. God says go. We know what that means. See? There are multitudes, my friend, that, born, that are born and die, whether or not anyone's prepared to reach them. If they're born, they're going to die. See? If we don't evangelize our generation, this generation will not evangelize at all. They'll, they're not going to tell. If we don't evangelize this generation, then your grandchildren or great-grandchildren, they're not going to hear. We are one generation away from extinction as far as the church is concerned. We need to be aware of that. Missions is imperative. Go. It's also inclusive. Ye. Go ye. I read this. It says, who be ye? Ye be me. Ye be thee. Ye be we. Can't get out of that. Go ye. Okay. No, no one is exempted from the responsibility to evangelize the lost. Christ himself, command, his, his command means that you're either sent or you are to send. But you cannot remain uninvolved and be obedient to Jesus Christ at the same time. You cannot. If you personally, my friend, are not involved in missions doing all that you can do to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are a disobedient child of God. And you know what happens when you disobey that? Chastisement comes, doesn't it? My dad had a belt buckle that jingled. Some of you youngins, you know your dad's got one too. And, and I, I didn't do anything wrong, but if I heard that belt buckle, man, I'm thinking, you better straighten up as straighter than what you are. Because I'd, I'd gotten the belt. I have. You know, I mean, I know it's hard to believe, but I wasn't perfect. <laughs> Neither was my dad. I got it when I didn't deserve it sometimes. But the fact of the matter is, 
The fact of the matter is, we are to be obedient. We are to be involved and obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody in here, listen to me, everybody in here can pray. A number of individuals down here on their cards, you can pray for these people. I'm sure they're not the only ones, but you can, you can pray for missionaries. You can. You can pray for each other to go out. You can give. Oh, getting a little closer to home here. You can give. You can give money to send missionaries around the world to preach the gospel where you probably will never get. And you know what else? You can go. You say, I can't go everywhere. No, but you can go somewhere. You can go to the neighbor's house. You can go to a family member. You can surrender and say, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I dare you to do that. Some won't do that because you're scared to death. God's going to say, okay, (laughs) I got a place for you. But no. We can pray. You can pray, you can give, and you, my friend, can go. See, this message tonight is not about God's heart for missions. But it's also about our heart and doing our part. God's already done His part. He so loved that He gave. That God did that. Now it's our part to do. You see, every man is to evangelize. The domain of missions is all the world. The demand of missions is to preach to every single creature. Everybody. I read this the other day. There was a lady by the name of Alice Wright. I'm sorry, Alice Knight. And... uh, She told the story of an elderly lady in New York City in the 1800s who made her living by washing clothes. She was a washwoman. She was known, her name, as Sophie the Scrubwoman. And everybody who met Sophie knew that she loved the Lord Jesus. She was often seen going about witnessing to those that she just met. And one day, somebody saw her witnessing out loud fervently to a wooden Indian that was standing outside a cigar store. And she was preaching the gospel to this wooden Indian. And someone came up kindly and pointed it out to her. And she replied, well, I I didn't know I was talking to a wooden Indian about Christ. My eyesight is very poor, you know. And then she said, but you know, talking to a wooden Indian about Christ is not not as bad as being a wooden Christian and never talking to anybody about the Lord Jesus. Are you a wooden Christian? Never talk to anybody about Jesus. Listen, I understand the nervousness. 
But you know why we get nervous when it's time to talk about, when the Holy Spirit prompts us? You know why? As these young ladies sang, it's not about me. It's about Him. I'm concerned about my nerves. I'm concerned about my ability. I'm concerned about my uh, 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 presentation of the gospel. It's all about me. But when it becomes all about Him and all about their souls, with the understanding, the comprehension that hell awaits, I believe we'll be compelled. Okay. A missions conference, my friend, is, is not just so we can come and hear beautiful music, and it was. Thank you, ladies. It's not come to, just to hear a, a Bible preaching message, and, and that's what we do. It's, it's come to find out, God, what would you have me to do? Because people are dying every single day and going to hell. Could I have been a part of reaching them in Japan or China or wherever? But I didn't take the advantage. I didn't take the time. My neighbor passed away. I didn't witness to them. Why not? Because it was more about me than it was about him. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, to everyone.